Lights, camera, action. Welcome to Mixtake, a world outspoken podcast. As film, television, and entertainment are influenced by the mixing of cultures and heritages in the United States, we are here to discuss, celebrate, and represent. That's right. I'm Dani Alicea. And I am Robert Rivera. In this episode, we're going to be talking about this little, this little movie franchise, franchise that you may have never heard of before called Avatar. Yeah, it's really kind of obscure, yeah. kind of indie. <laughs> yeah. So for the few um, that have seen it, hopefully you'll you'll get a lot out of this episode. <gasps> well, without further ado, let's start off with uh, some quick takes. Donnie, what's your quick take on this? Thanks for asking, Rob. Okay, no my, problem. Quick, my quick take, and I actually wrote it down. So my quick take is this. Avatar is collectively one of the most beautiful and most tragic stories. Love, life, war, greed, triumph, failure, hope, loss. These films truly have it all. And the question remains, will the not be, which is the, the native kind of uh, people that the stories are based on, will they survive the sky people? Rob, what's your quick take? My quick take is this. It's interesting to see these concepts of colonialism, injustice, and navigating culture all wrapped up in a nice little package, nice little pop culture package for everyone to be able to consume and and understand. Yeah. Sometimes it's easier to have an opinion about something when it's kind of outside of normal conversations it's yeah. like these mythical creatures in a mythical place and a faraway planet then you can be like oh that's so right or wrong or you know that's a tragedy whereas the close to home things that we'll get into later on in the show might not be as quick to kind of have an opinion about or be judgmental even about or you know whatever it is so we'll talk more as as the show goes on um, but for now, let's press rewind on this episode of Mixtape. So, Rob, how how did you get drawn into the Avatar movies? Well, that's a really great question. Um, James Cameron was already a, known, uh, a name that I was familiar with. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you go back, he's a re- he was already kind of a fixture in pop culture. Of course, he directed The Terminator. He directed uh, Ridley Scott's sequel to Alien called Aliens. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did The Abyss, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, True Lies. You remember that one? What that's was true that's, lies about? that's Schwarzenegger and um, is it Tom Arnold? I want to say it's Tom Arnold oh, and Jamie Lee Curtis. From Roseanne, Tom Arnold? Correct. Correct. <laughs> Correct. And, and Schwarzenegger was a, an undercover. Like agent and huh. and his right. wife and his wife Jamie Lee Curtis was oblivious to this. Oh, it rings a bell now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, I she probably, dances in it. I probably literally haven't seen it since it came out in what 1994. I yeah. He also did a, another little movie called 
Titanic. Oh, well. And uh, Titanic, interestingly enough, is number nine all-time domestic in the domestic box office and number four worldwide. Yeah. All-time, which is pretty impressive. So Avatar intrigued me as a a science fiction film that was not already attached to an already existing or known property. This wasn't an extension of Star Wars or Star Trek or any other Mm. sci-fi world. This was a brand new, we're starting from scratch, and I think that intrigued me. To yeah. just step in cold and say, let me understand and learn this world with, um, you know, with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but the I think the the trailers drew me in. It looked colorful, looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it in that way, it did not disappoint. Yeah. How about you? What was um, what was it that drew, uh, drew you into Avatar? Oh, my goodness. I think it was the CGI of it Mm -hmm. the fact that they created an entire world using technology and the world that they created was gorgeous i remember one of the trailers is this uh, a clip from the scene where um jake is running with uh, running through the forest at night and Every time his foot landed on the tree branch, like it was lighting up. And I was like, oh my yes. goodness, this looks incredible. This world that they took so much time to painstakingly create something that was unique that had never, like, I had never seen anything like that before. Of course, you know, we'd seen great film and, and some like cool, like Pixar animations and stuff like that, but never anything to this level. Rarely after a movie do I say I would love to go there, but after seeing Pandora, oh my like, goodness, I want to interact with that world. I want to touch the Hallelujah the Mountains. Fish. Yeah, I'd travel up to Hallelujah Mountains, whatever. But um, yeah, I want to step on the ground and it lights up. Oh my goodness, yes. I don't want to fight those black panther cat looking. Oh my goodness. <laughs> So I, I, I'll leave that, but oh, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think like like General Corch, oh no, uh, Colonel, I'm sorry, Colonel, I think it was Corch. Yeah. Uh, like he said, everything out there is trying to kill you. Oh my goodness. It's true. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So that was my first interaction. Now, like the Navi, let's enjoy the world of Pandora and press play on this episode of Mixtape. Well, James Cameron was not just a household name. Well, I don't know if he was a household name, but his movies definitely left a, an imprint in our culture. Mm-hmm. But James Cameron is also no stranger to uh, box office success. I think that we can all agree um, that he's been unique and that his success with Avatar was not the result of of adding on to a previous franchise. If you look at mm-hmm. like some of those top selling movie or the top grossing box office hits you know they're like star wars avengers even like barbie is yeah. is building off of a pre-existing property that that we're excited to see come to the big screen avatar really just came out of nowhere mm-hmm. so that to me it blows my mind i mean the numbers are are wild to me domestically so just here in the united states mm-hmm. avatar ranks number 4 Grossing about seven hundred and eighty-five million dollars, Avatar Two 
is number seven, grossing about $684 million combined. Those two movies have made $1.47 billion in the United States. The other big movies, like I said, number one is The Force Awakens. Number two is Endgame. Number three is Spider-Man No Way Home. Number five, Maverick. That's building off of the success of Top Gun, right? Mm -hmm. Number six, Black Panther, which, although it's still part of that Marvel brand. Yeah. And so Avatar really kind of defying the odds in here in this. Worldwide, it's even more incredible to me. Avatar's the number one all times uh, best selling or whatever highest grossing box office success at $2.9 billion. And Avatar 2 is number three at $2.3 billion. Together, that's $5.24 billion this franchise has made in two movies. That's like the national GDP of like small countries. Right, exactly. <laughs> in it's, a decade. And so number two, there's Endgame. Again, to 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 bring that that, that point out. Um yeah, w- let me ask you so <laughs> as we're going through all these numbers. Yeah. This is not an easy one to answer. Yeah. But I think that you are smart enough to break this down for us. Why do you think these movies are so successful? <laughs> I'm not smart enough because that's such a great question. It is the man. What is it about these films that that you know kind of bolsters them to the out of the stratosphere? Um, I I think maybe that it comes down to one simple point, maybe an easy one. It's like what's the common denominator, but between you know amongst these films, maybe it's Zoe Saldana. Oh, maybe she's, I'm listening. Maybe she's kind of the standout individual who kind of brings something, you know, really unique and cool and, and awesome to the screen for us and invites us in in, in a unique way. What, why do you mention her name in particular? Well, because she's in Avatar. She's in Avatar, The Way of the Water, and she's in Endgame where she plays Gamora. So she is a being in all three of the films. She's blue in Avatar and, and the way of the Avatar the way of the water and then she's green when she plays Gamora. So she is kind of this unique individual that is kind of a standout I would say in, in all three of the films. So maybe something to do with You her. add her to the movie and you're gonna get box office success. Listen, Hollywood hire Zoe Saldana for your next film. You know what I mean? Um another thing I would I would point out, especially about the first film is, um, well, actually both films were released in December. So I know sometimes these blockbuster movies, they pick either summer or, you know, kind of the end of the year. Could be release date, although Endgame came out in April. So not necessarily just that it was the end of the year, but could have had something do, to do with it. Do you think they overthink that sometimes? Like, I feel like we've had huge <sighs> hits all different types of the year. Just like, give us a good movie. It's true. I don't know. I mean, for these films, again, uh, amongst the three that are the top grossing, two in December, one in April, uh, maybe there is something yeah. to timing. Yep. You know, people are off of school yeah. and work. Yeah. It's the holidays. You're looking for something to do. Some people don't have plans for the holidays, and so you're like, what am I going to do? I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with that. Sure. Um, and then the other thing uh, to note, especially, again, about the first film is that it didn't release in a year. You know, some 
years, uh, you know, the films were released weren't maybe that great or the storytelling wasn't that powerful. So it's like, oh, you know, well, if I'm going to go to the theater, <laughs> uh, yes. I'm going to go. And then if I'm going to go again, well, that movie was so good and there's really nothing else out. So I'll just go and watch it again. Or, oh, my friends are going and I didn't get to go with them. So, yeah, sure, I'll see it a third time or, you know, whatever. But this year in 2009, there were actually some really stellar films that were released. So Slumdog Millionaire came out that year and actually won a slew of Oscars. Um, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, starring Brad Pitt, came out that year. The Dark Knight, which I know Batman is one of your favorites and um, maybe is pro probably one of mine too, for sure. Um, but you know, it came out uh, amongst uh, a, a lot of other really good films that year. So. Is it that, you know, um, it, I don't think it was that it uh, there weren't other things to see. I think it was just that strong of a story. But you say that and there isn't, like this year in particular, you had a lot of huge franchises battling against each other. And some of them, like Not Mission Gouty. Impossible, underperformed, going up against Oppenheimer and Barbie, oh, and you're absolutely right. Um, it was. Just, it felt like there were a lot of movies. So you, Guardians of the Galaxy comes out, and 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 you have Spider Man um, into the Spider Verse. You have all these movies kind of overlapping. One ends, another one begins, and they're going back and forth. Transformers becomes kind of a little bit of a casualty of all that. Um, you're absolutely. That's the great, Flash yeah. had its own problems, but but I think the other movies releasing didn't help mm -hmm. that situation mm -hmm. so these movies are great like as you said mm -hmm. but they're not box office smash and not to mention dark knight i believe came out in the summer oh did it really yeah i believe that summer hit. i believe yeah. it did a blockbuster hit yeah it makes sense yeah so maybe you know again the combination of something again you're right like and and there's not a really long list in 2009 there are some stellar films but you know kind of after that I, the coolest other film was like Tropic Thunder. I was like, who doesn't love a good <laughs> Jack Black and Adam Sandler? It was like all the funny people lined up in one film. If you haven't seen it, it's a good one, Tropic Thunder. Um, and then Wally for the kids, uh, you know, was uh, for the kids. A good one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> is it one of your faves? <laughs> it's pretty good. I, I'm, I don't mind it. It's okay. But yes, so maybe there's some combination of, you know, these things is is what really kind of catapulted Avatar and the fact that it did it twice. So it didn't do it in just 2009, but then it did it again with Avatar The Way of the Water. I was hopeful. I was like, man, I hope the second film is as successful as the first and gets that, you know, that same love from moviegoers. And boy, did people show up. It needed it a lot more, too. I think the budget was way higher and... Cameron was was throwing out these high numbers of how much it needed to make in order to to break even, and it it seemed wild. Um, I I I like those points; those are all good. I think also, um, he did a great job appealing to the masses in this movie. It isn't like this really heady, crazy movie. Like there, it it gets deep thematically, mm -hmm. but doesn't try to speak over you in any way. Mm -hmm. uh, everything. Is pretty much common language. Everyone's just speaking pretty casually, trying to, um, you know, push forth that that plot. One other thing that I'll say is, um, don't underestimate the power of 3D. 
I don't know if you saw it in 3D. I saw only the first one in 3D. I don't know why I didn't watch the second one, but it was, to me, the best 3D movie I've seen. Really? Ever. Oh, wow. Most of the time, you know, you walk in, it's like, uh, there's a couple of moments where the 3D works. But with things floating around and glowing, and I thought it worked really well. And and I also did it because I heard a lot of people saying, oh, this is a must-see movie in 3D. And 3D prices are a lot higher, yeah, right than the than the regular ticket. So I think that helped it out a lot. I'm mm-hmm. sure it helped out part, you know, Wave Water as well. Um, but it Is had the Wave Water 3D. Did they offer it? Yeah, f- yeah, they're gonna offer them all in oh, 3D. That's wild. Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. So, you know, when I think about movies like The Lord of the Rings and Star Wars, um, I think, especially when I think of Lord of the Rings, let me let me step back and just say Lord of the Rings. Sure. I look at it and I say it has great acting, it has great special effects, great mm-hmm. music, mm-hmm. Um, and a great casting. script. Great casting. And costume design, location selections. Yeah. There's so much. But yeah. Yeah. This is this movie is is pretty much fabricated, I think, on a computer. Yeah. But it if you think about the music of the late great James Horner, who actually passed away in between the movies, I think mm-hmm. he died tragically. Oh no. Um but he composed like Braveheart, <sighs> Aliens, An American Tale. Do you remember Five the little mouse with the red did he have a red hat? I don't remember. No? Mm. You gotta go back and watch that. Yeah. Back in the back in the eighties <laughs> or something. Mm-hmm. Uh you ever see the movie Apocalypto? That's a Mel Gip I think Mel Gibson directed. Is it? It's um I don't think I've seen it's, it. It's either like Aztec or Mayan. I oh, can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know what you're talking about, but I haven't seen he, it. He scored that. And, of course, he scored Titanic, oh, which man. iconic soundtrack. And so is Braveheart. Braveheart is right. gorgeous. They're beautiful. Yeah. Definitely. But the music for this movie is more more unique. I can I can still hear some of the some of the melodies that he uses in some of the other, you know, kind of creeping in. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, some of the rhythmic sounds and mm-hmm. it's and using the voices and I I, I love it. The mu- I like I'll listen to that soundtrack of Avatar. Yeah, just like when I'm reading or writing or or doing something, you know, studying. Interesting. You know what's wild? I cannot tell you a single note from either film. I'm sure you, you know it. It impacts you as a viewer, but I I don't remember any of the song selections. All right, I'll I'll play you some after after we uh, we finish recording here, and, and you'll say, okay, yeah, I recognize that. Okay, but um, the visuals are stunning, as you've already mentioned that the special effects are great, and the story is relatable. Yeah, people will say mm-hmm. this is Pocahontas in space or Fern Gully in space or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's fine. That's fine. I don't care. That's fine. But um, he's telling it in a fresh new way, in a fresh new um, context. Mm-hmm. And to me, it works. Mm-hmm. And I think all of those things mixed together, probably the when also, like you mentioned, when it came out, the time of the year, the other movies it's competing against, all those things kind of, it's a perfect storm. I think The Way of Water um, benefited from the success of the first movie as people are, even though there's such it. a huge gap, people are curious, like, oh, he's coming back to this thing? I got to check this thing out. Absolutely. And then you've got to bring the kids now. And because, you know, it's what, how many years later? Uh, 13, something like that. So is that how many years it was in between? Yeah, right. It was something something wild like that. that. Uh Wow. Yeah. 
Well, there are a lot of themes in this in this story. Are there any sp- particular themes that kind of stick out to you as you as you think about about Avatar? Yeah, I think some of the fil- th- some of the themes and maybe I can just start with one theme and then we can just kind of chat about it if that's cool, but I think the theme and you um, gave me the word for it, colonialism. So you have this um, these this group of individuals. There's scientists, and then they kind of hire uh, hired guns to come in and kind of uh, keep them safe because again, everything in Pandora is trying to kill you. So um, you have you know these individuals that are trying to mine the planet. So for those that haven't seen it, no spoilers. But um, there's individuals that are trying to kind of mine the planet. Everybody has seen this. <laughs> <laughs> According to the statistics, yeah, it made what, what did I say? How many billions? All right, go ahead. Yeah, as you as you search for the the billion, six billion, four billion, something five like five <laughs> five billion combined, yeah, one hundred billion dollars. Uh, they're trying to mine for um, this really uh, you know lucrative substance that's only found on Pandora, um, and so unobtainium. Is that what it's called? Unobtainium. Serious? Yeah. Like it's unobtainable, unobtainium. Unobtainium, yeah. That's so interesting. Anyway, um, so they're trying to mine for unobtainium, and um, uh, they these individuals see it as their right to go out and dig for you know this substance, even though there's a native people who are essentially their enemies, and there are individual scientists that are trying to like build relations and all that stuff, but they're trying they're they're trying to avoid. You know, a war. They're trying to keep whatever regulations. Keep the peace. Yeah. And learn. But the military side and the business side, they're like, just get this stuff already. And here's the gold mine of it. And so this, you know, kind of the sense of the the bigger, badder, more militant, more armed individuals coming in and stomping on the little guy, essentially, and where it gets to the point of, you know, are they going to eradicate these people? And it's very close to the indigenous American or if you're Canadian First Nations people story of our country. The pilgrims, the English, the French, the Spaniards coming in to a land that's already occupied by natives uh, and bullying their way um, onto the land, which is kind of the avatar, the way of water, the second story. So the first one is about getting something there, unobtainium. The second story is, is our planet is dying and we need a new spot. Yeah. So colonialism, what are your thoughts about, you know, the, yeah. that theme in the films? Yeah, it is interesting. I think the, uh, I, I wrote this down um, so I wouldn't forget, but the uh, the organization is called the RDA the Resources Development Administration, their motto is building tomorrow. Um, unfortunately, they're building tomorrow. On top of. And a different, in yes. a different world. Yeah. Um, but they're, they're a huge organization. You can tell in the movie they've got their, their machinery, their vehicles, their, and all of this. Um, it, it seems like they have, they have so many resources already. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just a rich trying to get richer but you're right then there, there's a survival they're looking ahead and um i think w- with that idea you can also kind of bring in this idea of taking care of our own planet as a cautionary tale mm. saying 
Earth is dying, so we've got to go to another planet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what's forcing this idea of colonialism. The scientists are brought in to kind of make peace, and, and the idea is that they come up with an agreement to obtain the unobtainium. Mm-hmm. And But Jake Sully realizes pretty quickly that these people are going to give up nothing you're right. It reminds me a lot of like the Black Hills in South Dakota, or mm-hmm. I'm, this is a story, honestly, that is not confined to the United States, but around the yeah. world. When it comes to colonialism, you see something that you want in another place. You take, uh, maybe you try to work with the indigenous population, but realize, yeah, nobody is going to let you come into their home and just take freely. Yeah. And so, what do you do? You fight, and um, you catch them off guard. Mm-hmm. And you take things by force. This story, though, um, kind of gives us what we want in the sense of it'd be like if the natives were able to fight off. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, if if the Davids can beat the Goliaths. Yeah. If they can stand on, under uh, the the yoke that's placed on them and still like be victorious. Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's definitely the little guy wins type of story. Definitely, definitely. I saw some other great themes and um I don't know if you had anything else to say about colonialism, but No. Yeah, um we can we can move on. Yeah, just some different cross cultural type things going on. Um when Jake Sully I love the line that he gives when he when he's kind of infiltrating the tribe and Natiri's trying to teach him the way and she said, unfortunately, you know, you can't fill a cup that's already full. And he mm-hmm. says, it's hard. Or she said, it's hard to fill a cup that's already full. And he said, my cup, my cup is empty. Trust me. Mm-hmm. And I love that because when you approach another culture, that's kind of how you have to approach it. Mm-hmm. Not saying, here, let me, let me show you how to live your life. Rather, what can I learn? And and we don't see that a lot. We see, you know, if you think about mission, even like missionaries, mm-hmm. well intentioned, but they go in and and they're pre- and they're preaching not just they're not just preaching the gospel, but they're actually preaching their culture as well. Oh my goodness, Rob, I have such a problem with cultural superiority because I feel like the Latino culture is the best. like like we do family right we do food right we do dancing right we do fun right like we just do life right (laughs) and sometimes like i'll come into contact with people from other cultures and they're very like standoffish or closed and i'm like girl smile like life is beautiful the sun is out today you know like i just get so like like enjoy things mm-hmm. you know like everything doesn't have to be so serious or so so sad or you know whatever um but but so sometimes a certain culture can treat your neighbors a certain type of way and just be a little bit more standoffish and a little bit more like i'm over here doing my thing and you're over there doing your thing and it can in some ways feel like even though it's not true i'm and cerebrally I and mentally I know that cultures are just different the way people do life is just different but again sometimes I am guilty of cultural superiority and being like we just do the thing you know we've been doing the thing yeah definitely you don't feel that way yeah yeah I have to check myself every single day I feel superior to (laughs) no I'm just kidding 
wild. Oh, boy. No. Yes, but it, it is true. The col- cross-cultural element was actually really beautiful, especially in part two when you see his kids are part sky people. And so then they go. That mestizo, right? Oh, man. It was actually really beautiful. Five-fingered or four. They say four-fingered. Four fingers. Yeah. But the kids had five, I think, right? Well, because they were human. I think they're saying four fingers and a thumb. But yeah. Oh. Because they're like, look, four fingers. But it was actually really cool to see them with the the sea people, um, and and you know their interactions, and even I don't know having to cross those barriers as a different being going into a different culture. Because even though they were both native to the planet, they weren't native to their um, area. So one was forest people, and then the other was ocean people, and how they lived and their body types and everything was just different so seeing that interaction play out was was also pretty cool yeah the metkayina tribe are the water people and that's um jake sully kind of took what he learned in the first movie and then helped his kids kind of understand that in the second movie he didn't really teach them but he just said guided he said guys figure this out don't slow them down yeah um, there's a lot though thematically even family wise being hard on his kids and and the being hard on his kids I couldn't help but wonder is that an American thing that he brought to the tribe like Natiri was like you're, you're you're too hard you know this is not um, you know this is not your your troop this is or whatever she said this is your family yeah but I understood when he was like he she says that and then he's like I thought we lost them and, you know, as a parent, sometimes, like, if your kid is missing, you're, like, yeah. freaking out, and then you find them, and you hug them, and then you want to beat them. It's like, you know, he had that that moment of, like, relief that they're okay, but, oh, my goodness, how could you? I just, yeah. you deserve, you know, a placatao, because <laughs> right. what in the world is going on here? Um, I was also thinking that the movie gave me, a, at, at least um, the first movie gave me some Last Samurai vibes. Okay. You, you see Last Samurai where the samurai are trying to preserve their way of life, but uh, the new, but J- Japan is trying to step into the modern era. So mm-hmm. so they bring in a, an American general to train their military, but the samurai kind of take their last stand. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tom Cruise is in it. Yeah, I see that. And um, yeah. so I saw some of that. Uh, also, I, was, I found it interesting. Like Nate Thierry, though she she can't accept outsiders. So when Spider mm-hmm. comes into the, plays with the kids and all that, she she will never accept him as part of her tribe or anything because he's a human, and that ends up really hurting her at the ending when she uses him to get to Quaritch. Um and you know she puts the, the the knife to his throat and then uh but that has to stick in spider's head mm-hmm. and then he ends up showing pity and, and and mercy on his on his cloned father even though he shouldn't have yeah or not cloned but kind of a- avatar. Yeah, yeah. Is avatar. whatever yeah you know what's interesting about Nateri is that you're right she didn't accept spider even though she marries a sky person and then has offspring that are part sky people. He didn't look that way, so maybe that was the thing. Like she couldn't get over the physical. Yeah, you think? Maybe I don't know. And she's shallow, huh? 
<laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. I mean, obviously, she fell in love with with Jake. I mean, so. Spider. I thought he adapted well too to the culture. He grew up on Pandora. Yeah. As an orphan. Yeah. As a like a baby. Yeah. I, yeah. I, maybe it, it was the whole movie. I was saying, who's mom? Oh yeah. Who's the mom? Maybe she died too. I don't know. Uh, we never know. Tragic. Kind of. I also like the theme of I see you. Just like seeing a person for, for who they truly are and just in a world where we want to be seen. Oh, man. We, we, we want to know that people care, mm-hmm. that that is a, a huge part of their culture. Is like, I see you. Yeah, that was actually really beautiful. I thought the same thing. Tearing up. What a wonderful greeting. And, and like you said, what a wonderful way to like respect those around you. Any other themes that stood out to you in the films? Just the only last thing that I'll say is um, just the idea of destiny. Jake. Jake is only there because his brother died, right? And Mm -hmm. so um, he's got this disability. He, He lost the use of his legs and he's hoping for some sort of redemption. He doesn't have anything back back home. Mm hmm. He jumped in. He because his brother was a twin. Um, the DNA works. He can he can use his brother's avatar, and it works beautifully. But his purpose, and he thought his purpose was there to to help this organization, the RDA. But he falls in love with the tribe, and at the end of the day, that's what saved mm-hmm. that tribe was was Jake Sully. Mm-hmm. Um, because of his military background, because of his knowledge of what what this organization was trying to accomplish, he was able to to help and and to fight. Um, and he in that way, there's a little bit of a messianic vibe of of mm. becoming like us and then and then saving us. Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. So. I didn't even think about that. That's really cool and very true. You know, I one other thing I think. Um, I would say a theme that stood out was um, the Grace kind of uh, character, the Mm -hmm. doctor in the first film. And then she has the offspring that's kind of like the the connection to Ewa Mm -hmm. in the second film. Her her daughter or her offspring is like the physical manifestation. Yeah. Kiri. 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 And uh, I, I, this, you know, recent time in preparation for the um, this recording, watching the second film, I her character just really stood out to me, as you know, kind of this individual who like nurtured the the universe around her, all the living beings. Even there's a scene where she's like laying in the ocean, just looking at the sand. And kids walk up to her and you're like, they're like, weirdo. Like, yeah. you're just looking at the sand. And she's like, what? You know, like, of course. So I just loved kind of hearkening back to what you said earlier in the episode. In these films, um, people were, were basically killing the earth, much like people are killing the earth now, and, and farming another planet, thinking, that you know, I don't know what they're thinking, but... Um, this idea of like caring for our planet and loving and nurturing our planet was, you know, just kind of a, a really cool 
um, it was really beautiful to see them manifest that through a particular character that really loved the beings and and the everything around her it was really cool. There seems to be like this idea of destiny though floating around her as well. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas where like there's something special about her. Yeah. She lays in the grass and the grass kind of just lays out for her mm-hmm. and the little pulses little things those little jellyfish thing are coming down and she's like I'm doing that thing again aren't I mm-hmm. um they uh, her siblings struggle to breathe, you know to hold their breath and they're like where's kitty mm-hmm. she's underwater smiling <laughs> just enjoying mm-hmm. um so yeah I lo- by the way I think introducing children first of all the children are really cute they are really cute and yeah. I love that aspect of it because the first movie is pretty much you're dealing all all adults right yeah so this yeah he he gave us Mm -hmm. just something a little bit different Mm -hmm. an adventure of kids and a family a family yeah Mm -hmm. so were there other characters that you know you we can learn some lessons from oh yeah i think i mentioned some of them already but um I appreciate Neytiri as well. I noticed she had that flaw that I mentioned, but mm-hmm. she also was a great discipler, if mm. you will, or mentor or whatever instructor. Mm-hmm. I would say like a mentor, discipler, because she not only taught Jake the skills, but the culture and mm-hmm. the language. And he developed a love. Yeah. She took it too far with him. I mean, you should never cross those lines with your mentor. <laughs> I'll just I'll just say that right now. You know, I think too far do not intertwine your tail with your mentor <laughs> too far good call good call. that's a good one that's some good mentoring advice right there any any uh standouts to you man i would i i really admired natiri her love for her people there's a, a point in the second film where they have to choose to you know leave the forest and and go to the ocean people and kind of try to hide to save the forest people if you will and man her you know she's just like my dad gave me this bow and he told me to protect my people and her love for her land and her people was absolutely beautiful it's a lot how i feel oddly to in chicago like i feel like this is my home my people yes i'm a latina but even maybe before i'm a latina i'm a chicago and like through and through and so i'm so connected to our streets and our blocks and our neighborhood and our stores and you know our our skyline and just everything about this place our sports teams so i your instagram proves all of this <laughs> truth so i i i really admire her connection i would say to her people and even more than her people is her land as well uh, one other person I was going to point out was Loak, the son, kind of the the hard-headed son. Oh, my goodness. He's he did always everything. School of Hard Knocks. Yes. He is the first student. Yes. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. He's, he's just a little bit too ambitious for, for his parents' liking. But yeah, he's, he, gets, he's, he gets kind of pranked. Oh, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. Know, and, and, find, and very dangerous one. I mean, he yes. almost died. He would have died if not for... The Tulkun, I think. The yeah, Tulkun right. was his name, Payaka. Yeah. The Tulkun Payaka, who was an outcast himself, a big whale-looking 
creature. Um, but Loak took time to understand and learn. He connected his tail and uh, learned a lot about a lot of tail. In a good way. A lot of tail connecting. I'm trying to decide like when is it okay? When's it appropriate? When's it inappropriate? And um, I try not one. to think too hard about it because those guys be locking tails with anything. Yeah. Um, all kinds of animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kinda yeah. Funny. Like his wife, like, oh, don't lock tails with me after you lock tails with that whale. <laughs> well, no, no, Loak doesn't have a wife. But when, one day when he does. Mm-hmm. Um, but Loak just giving kind of, first of all, giving the benefit of the doubt to Payakon and mm-hmm. then advocating for him. Mm-hmm. On his behalf to the tribe, even though people are like, "No, nah, he's an outcast. He he murdered. He and he's and Loak is trying to 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 give context. Like, there's more to the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end of the story, of course, what happens? Loak Loak comes to the rescue, and um, so not not to say so that you get something out of people, but that he believed. He I think that even though he was kind of a knucklehead son. He believed the best in in others, and um, yeah, I think he learned. In in a lot of ways, he was like his father, and maybe his father mm-hmm. struggled with that. You know, like yeah. you struggle with the ones that that are most like you. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's a sibling, or you're just like your your a parent, or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. any others for you? No, I think that's it. I think we can uh, take a moment to um, look into the future as we press fast forward on this episode of Mixtape. All right. Donnie, we talked about some important themes in the Avatar series, but we know that um, Cameron, I think he he said, I think he has 43 more movies that he, no. He he has, I forget, like maybe three or four. Really? Um, Okay. Yeah, that was the idea. I think it's, maybe it's two or three more. I forget exactly what it is. It's, it's a weird number. Okay. Regardless, what themes would you like to see Avatar flesh out moving forward? Like, this is a big world. Mm-hmm. I've heard that it's teased that there might be, like, a fire people. I don't know if that's true or not. Mm. I don't really love to live on those rumors, so I'm just going to whatever. But yeah. we're not talking about plot. We're talking about themes. What themes would you, would you like to see? I think the biggest theme that I would really love to see is the development of a character and maybe this is you know in you know further down in the films but a character that is kind of the nelson mandela martin luther king jr type of character that's thinking about building peace between these two groups of people um, in like a, a cool, like thinking about peace in a new way, in a different way, thinking about r- resolution to conflict in a unique, um, from a unique angle or, or a different perspective. And I say that because, you know, there are some blueprints to peace. Again, we have the Nelson Mandela's and the MLK's. We've got some, you know, really amazing people that have blessed our world and our history books with unique approaches to peace. And so I know that, you know, making a good movie, often there's conflict. And in these films, particularly, that conflict looks very action-oriented and heavy machinery and helicopters and all that good stuff. But 
at some point it would be really cool to have some peace-oriented person, and maybe that's Kitty or, you know, a, a character like hers, um, but just somebody that, that kind of brings that aspect to the, hmm. to the story. Yeah. How about you? I don't know how they can do this. Um, I don't know what the time jumps are going to look like. I do know that the RDA was able to build, they said, buildings very quickly with their technology. This is, I'm not saying that this would be fun, but it would be interesting to tackle if there were some human populations that were, were able to settle on Pandora. Mm-hmm. And if that happened, what would it look like? Either they, uh, maybe they're enslaved or oppressed, or maybe they mm-hmm. s- enslave or oppress some of the Navi or whatever. And just kind of navigating that and uh, kind of going off of what you said with MLK and and Nelson Nelson Mandela and seeing is there a peaceful resolution where where, where they can all coexist? Um, hmm. I would like this to see the series go in a positive mm-hmm. direction, mm-hmm. even as unrealistic as that seems. Yeah, as, as we know, our world is a very complex place, and peace is something that uh, we take for granted when we enjoy it. Mm. So, um, but. I am a romantic at heart, so I would like to see the series go in a direction of hope. And yeah, like the the humans and Navi living happily ever after, intertwining tales and and all. <laughs> Man, I'm looking up this show on HBO. Okay, shoot, maybe you can help me with the name of it. It's a show about um, this world that people can pay to go into and in this world they can there's kind of ai like uh kind of robot beings but they look like people Hmm. and in the world they can do anything they want so it's set in like a Hmm. western type of oh westworld it is westworld (laughs) I yeah. was going to say Westworld, but I was like, that's one of your, your favorite shows. Oh, my word. Obviously, it's okay. been a while since I've seen it. Okay, so this kind of, as you were talking about having settlers and all that stuff, I'm like, ooh, it kind of could have that Westworld hmm. vibe where it's uh, kind of these different beings. In Westworld, you have um, people, and then you have the na- uh, they're really robots. Robots? They're artificial beings. Uh, anyway, watch sure. Westworld. It's very interesting. Um, but you kind of have these two opposing, if you will, uh, groups of, of beings where an avatar is kind of the same. So, man, it would be so interesting for the avatar to kind of take that type of a, a route or, or twist. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, well, I think it is time to press pause and, like Asela, reflect on points that have stuck out to us or some key takeaways. So, Rob, what are your final thoughts on this topic? That's a really great question. I think my final thoughts would be um, I, I am looking forward to to future Avatar movies for the reasons that we've discussed seeing thoughtful kind of layered 
storytelling with high quality special effects and, and, and music. And even, even with the passing of, of James Horner, um, Avatar three still like, you still get that feel of, of, uh, you know, you, you, you get that great mm. score. So just kind of um, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to to delving deeper into some rich themes in this immersive world mm-hmm. in, in a place that I would love to visit someday. Mm-hmm. I know I can't because mm-hmm. it's uh, unless it's like the West World thing or whatever. Was, or maybe it is you know? a planet somewhere. And yeah. We'll, we'll stumble upon it. it at some maybe point. it is. Maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so that that's really my final thoughts. I I. I appreciate how he has been able to it's not super preachy I think it's just right right where it needs to be yeah bringing up a lot of themes I mean we could have honestly we could have stepped back and 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 drawn out so many more themes oh my um, goodness global warming and war and depression and racism and classism and yeah. bigotry oh there's so many things yeah. in, in the Pro- film. It's yeah tough. it's tough. pride and and sacrifice and um yeah there's so many there's so many different things i mean we said which character step uh you know kind of stick out to us but i think we could we could easily take about 10 to 15 of those characters and and talk for a long time about the themes and, and how they're fleshed out yeah so yeah. yeah how about you just say I hope that you know what's really cool about storytelling like this is like you said you can you can put some real truths out there that are much easier a pill to swallow in this mode or platform than in watching CNN or Fox News or NBC or wherever you get your news from I think there's a lot of lessons that we can take from the not be in the sky people and how they interact with one another like we mentioned, you know, issues related to global warming, issues related to racism, issues related to uh, so many other things. Uh, you know, what's one, you know, if we go and, and watch the next movie thinking, what's one thing I can do to make a difference yeah. in my house, on my block, at my job, at your church, wherever, um, you know, what can we, we do? Can, you know, should we start recycling, maybe, you know, as a family? Or should we start composting to be more friendly to our world? Or uh, being more cognizant of what we're buying or, you know, being less consumer-oriented in that regard? Or are we looking out for our neighbors in Chicago right now? Um, the, at the time we're recording, there is an influx in, of immigrants coming from South America and... There is essentially a, a crisis of where these individuals will be placed. So a month ago, it was about 1,500 people. Today, it's about 11,000 people with a couple thousand more on the way. And a lot of these individuals are displaced, uh, coming from countries like Venezuela and Colombia, where there's lots of political oppression. So they're coming for freedom and asylum. But they're living outside of police stations in tents or just in sleeping bags and it's getting really cold. So, you know, for us, it's like, okay, you know, is there something that we can be doing or um, ideas that we can be sharing with our political leaders or church leaders or, you know, what are some solutions that we could be working towards? So 
I think if we can take these films and start learning and, and just trying to hmm, make the world a little bit better and, you know, learn, grow, love people, we love our neighbor as ourselves, like, I think that would go a really long way. Hmm. And with that, we will press stop on this episode of Next Take. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Join us next time as we continue this journey in the far stretches of the universe. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you tune into your podcast. Also head over to world.spoken.com, a site preparing the Mestizo Church for Cultural Change, where you'll find information on consulting services, thought-provoking blog posts, and other great podcasts such as The Feature, Questions from the Pew, La Ventanita, the Mestizo podcast, the show preparing the mixed people. Oh, sorry. The show for the mixed people of the mixed church. Also head over to world.spoken.com and order some cool merch. There's hoodies, shirts, stickers, mugs, all kinds of good stuff. There is. Yes. Also, guess what? We're on social media. We've always been on social media. But uh, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at mixtake um and uh sometimes we'll even put like facebook if you've heard of that before facebook polls out there so look out and, and, and vote um you can also follow me at rob rib on twitter x whatever we call it these days and follow donnie at donnie jack d-o-n-i-j-a-c special thanks to our producer rich hurtado putting together stellar video and audio stuff for us. Also, thanks to Ricky Padilla and the World Outspoken crew. We hope that you will join us again as we dive into the nerdy part of the culture-influencing entertainment. And until next time, cut. It's a wrap.